0: Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. In this episode, I'm speaking with Paige Alia, who supports survivors of sexual and domestic violence as a program coordinator for Hope Shores Alliance in Alpena, Michigan. A survivor herself, Paige guides participants in trauma informed yoga classes. So Paige incorporates soundscapes, Reiki, guided relaxation, breathwork, and yoga poses to encourage her students to explore their bodies and minds to connect to their souls and heartfelt desires. And she describes this a little bit in the episode about what a session looks like with her, talking about triggers, trigger warnings, and the role of a facilitator in providing a safe space for people to claim empowered autonomy. Music has been integral to Paige's life since she was a toddler learning Suzuki Method violin, and she studied music for over 20 years. We also talk about that because I found that pretty fascinating. And that also took place in Japan, which I found even more fascinating. So I look forward to hearing about that. Paige and I met through a mutual friend, Joshua Stoddard, who recently died, so that's how this episode starts off. She talks about how she met him, which is a very sweet story, so let's get into it. Here we go.
1: All right, well, welcome, Paige. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me here this, well, evening for me. (laughs) Oh, yeah, so you're on the East Coast. I, I technically am on the East Coast, so I'm in the Midwest. Gotcha. Okay. And is that,
0: so our connection, um, is that we share a mutual friend who was Joshua Stoddard and, um, and I did a podcast previously about Joshua Stoddard. And this is actually really beautiful because I was looking for people, not that this is going to be the topic of this episode, but I would, I had been looking for people to kind of share that episode with me. And I, for whatever reason, didn't get any bites, so I just ended up doing it on my own. But our friend um, took his life on December seventh of last year, and so we're we're missing him. And mm-hmm. how did I find you now? Actually, that completely—I knew that you knew him, but I found you on Instagram.
1: I g- commented on uh, right. the podcast. I when I found. Um, I took a little time off of work just to do some of my own processing, but it couldn't be in December um, with, with what I do. Um, So I took a week off in January to kind of sit with um, how I was feeling and move, um, move with some of the grief, um, just kind of allowing myself to be in that. And um, so during that um, I had saw that you had um, released that podcast and I said, okay, I feel ready to, to listen and hear somebody else sharing about Joshua and that's where um, I think we connected because I, I shared a message on your Instagram. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was regarding. Um, yeah,
0: I think you left a comment and then when I, and then I asked you if you were family, that was mm-hmm. that interaction. And then you said, well, no, not in the strict sense, but <laughs> yeah so do you know him from the midwest then i guess that that was kind of where
1: yeah um so i think i met joshua and i also know him as joshua by the way Uh, okay (laughs) Um, i think that was his his kind of chosen name um among the community of like yoga, and sound, and healing arts, and, and I met him in 2018 at a really special music festival that we have in Michigan called oh, Blitz cool. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's so much fun. So it's over on the, um, the west side of our state in the middle of kind of nowhere um these giant open fields and it's this huge music festival um, mostly like folk music but then like all aspects of that and there's stuff going on all day and all night um, oh, wow. it's really incredible I'm very like family friendly um, it's just a real it's a safe haven um, very special um family there um, and we met there because he was uh, playing his music while um, one of my mentors and my dear friend Tiffany Linall was leading a yoga class for the like um, beginning of, um, of Bliss Fest that year. And that was my first year going to Bliss Fest. I had never been before. Um, and so we were... I say we met there, but we actually didn't meet there. And I will, I will share what happened. <laughs> I, uh, I um, I saw him playing up front, and um, after the class, I took the class with. Um, I had my friend um, James with me, and so we we did the class. Um, I was chatting with Tiffany after, and she's like, "You have to meet Joshua. He's going to be coming back to the studio, and he had already performed at the studio like earlier in the year." Um, But I just wasn't able to go because I live about three hours away from where that studio is. Yeah, that's right. And so she went to go get Joshua and I like froze for a second, turned, looked at my friend James and said, I can't, I can't (laughs) meet him. I have to go. And I just like took off. So Was that
0: because he had, he sort of had this like star quality because he had been on stage. Okay.
1: (laughs) But not only that, like I have followed his music for numerous years. Um and yeah, so like he just and then just like in his presence, in that space, with the yoga. I just was like in this like, I don't know, very blissful bubble, but also like I just was like, I can't do this. I can't meet this person. And um
0: I just have to say is as a aside, do you know who Sonatum is? Sonatum Carr She's like yeah, in the okay yeah. So she was part of my community, and she came to my door one night because she was staying at my friend's house. And she asked if I want to go on a walk. And I was in my pajamas, and I was the most mortified. I it just reminds me of that. I was so mortified. <laughs> Maybe similar.
1: Anyway, that is that is I was wearing. I wasn't wearing like. I don't. I don't. Just like I was wearing kind of. um, like my least favorite kinds of clothing because we're out in the woods camping, like I'm dirty. And I was just like, I can't do this. And just ran. And Tiffany like found me later. She's like, where did you go? I was like, Nope, just, I can't. And I couldn't figure it out. Um, And then I I watched him play. He did this incredible soundscape. um, One of the other nights in this like dome And somebody was also, while he was performing, somebody was creating these incredible um, colors everywhere. And um, and he kept making eye contact with me there. And this was like a real intimate audience. And I'm sitting next to James. I'm like, the moment this ends, we have to go. (laughs) I still can't do it. I can't meet him right now. He found me through social media. And reached out that way, and we started talking. Um, and because he, because Tiffany had told him about me, like he was intending on meeting me, getting connected with um, the Alpina where I'm, where I live, um, the Alpina community to do some sound baths here. And we instantly just—I I think he had that ability in general, just to find connections and cultivate connections. And so we we did, we bonded. Um, it was like we had known each other forever and um, became incredibly close friends very quickly. And so I didn't actually in-person meet, um, truly meet until December of 2018 when he came to Alpena um, and stayed um, for a sound bath here and then a little bit more of Michigan touring. So we got to know one another a lot more there and just spend several days um, together while he was doing his tour up here. And then um, we got to meet up a couple of other times on various traveling where our travels intersected um, and just um, kind of harmoniously intersected just happened. And we both happened to be in the same places at the same time. And could have dinner or um, set up another sound bath and yoga and yeah so, yeah.
0: And you you were talking about going in and moving your grief and, and doing that in the beginning, but that's not something you started doing as a result of of this, right? This this is something you've been doing for a while, or or was this a tell me tell me about that
1: as a result
0: of it wasn't as a result of of Joshua's death, right? Like this oh. was something.
1: No, absolutely. It um, was. Oh,
0: this is not work that you were doing previously. Mm-mm.
1: No. Oh, no. okay. Okay. Yeah. No, just the grief from um, his loss um, oh, in his no. physical life. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Well, so how how did you, I guess, know to do that? And did you have some sort of... I don't. I mean, I don't want to suggest that you need training in order to figure out how to move your body, but I'm just sort of curious how you came up with that, or what
1: what uh, what moved. <laughs> sure. So I I would be very transparent, and I don't know that I've like shifted a whole lot. It's still very surreal to me. Um, I think some of that is like I didn't get to the opportunity to like go to the memorial, yeah, um, and I didn't find out until um, winter solstice. I sat up, I was laying in bed and I sat up suddenly and went, I haven't talked to Joshua in way too long. Mm -hmm. Usually we're pretty consistent, either a text or a phone call here or there, sometimes like video calls when we can. And it had been like a month and that was fairly unusual for us to go that long without some kind of chit chat or sharing something. And, um, for whatever reason, when I went to the text messages, the text messages had been even longer ago. Um, my last text message from him was like October 23rd. That's going to like stay in my brain for a while. Hmm. Um, and instead of texting him, I Googled his name. I don't know why I did. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So that brought up his obituary and I had taken a break from social media. So I missed the posts that his sister had shared yeah. um, to try and reach as many folks as she could. So, yeah.
0: yeah, no, I, I had a friend actually tell me and it was around it was December 23rd because it was Christmas Eve Eve. Yeah. It had been longer since I had spoken to him actually. So that's, that's mm-hmm. nice in a way that you got to speak with him. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. And it's interesting reflecting on those last conversations because it was almost as if he was saying goodbye.
0: Yeah. I don't know
1: if he knew he was, but
0: yeah, I did have that. I, I did. Ha- I have that sense in retrospect. I didn't feel like it at the time, but yeah, he was like going through a lot of his life. It was, mm-hmm. it was interesting. Yeah. Okay, so the grief work that you're doing—I mean, you are sharing it with other people, right? I saw. No, am I getting the total wrong end of the stick? My, tell tell me what what it. <laughs> I thought I thought for some reason that you were that you had an event or that I saw an event with you that was um, uh, uh, giving people the opportunity to shift their grief.
1: No, um, I think I shared one though um, for other folks to, to step into that. Um, I, I have done grief work with other folks um, I'm training in yoga therapy. I've taken a little pause in that. Um, and one of the areas is grief work. Um, and more specifically, I do work with trauma um, for survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence. And that was one of the areas that Joshua and I had um, really connected about because he would often do sound baths um, on either behalf of um, fundraising for or directly for survivors. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Yeah. So my grief work that I was doing uh, in that week in January was simply for myself um, and based off of all the the yoga therapy um, practices that I've been able to utilize that work for me as far as tools so that's
0: really amazing so what does what does a session with you for someone who has experienced that kind of trauma look like
1: it depends um we work together to set up and move through the goals that they establish Uh, it could be reconnecting to um their sense of worthiness or trust, or maybe they've had some kind of a physical pain in their body and they want to work on that. And they think it might be related to the trauma, which often is the a direct connection um, as the, the body keeps a book. I really love the body keeps the score the issues are in our tissues, all of that. Mm-hmm. So we collaborate together and really it's about moving alongside them rather than, telling them what to do, but Mm -hmm. providing a space, whether it's virtually or, um, in my little home studio right now, um, to kind of connect, um, back with themselves after, um, probably one of the most horrific acts has been done to a person.
0: Wow. And so one of the things that really interests me about people that do really amazing work is making that connection for the person who needs it, that they actually need it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know that that would be the first thing that somebody would necessarily think of when they've had that traumatic experience of like, Oh, I must need yoga therapy. You know, how, how do you help people make that connection or how do they find
1: you? Oftentimes they've tried everything else and there's this desperation to find peace or they've been trying to find their old self, their prior self, which isn't necessarily a thing. And instead it's more grieving who they once were and learning who they now are and that they're still whole resourceful human beings like they're not they're not anything less because this thing happened to them and it wasn't their fault so there's a lot of processing through that and feeling a little bit safer to take the next breath wow well, i had
0: at the beginning of last week i had a very traumatic experience with the masseuse and, and I'd never in my adult life that hadn't happened to me, but I experienced so much compassion, which I don't think I'd ever really, it had never really clicked for me for, for uh, people who have experienced sexual trauma, how much trauma happens afterwards in the necessity of having, if you decide to tell the police say about something, The necessity of having to tell it over and over again and re-describe it and prove yourself and do they believe me? Do they not believe me? The fear of people not believing you. I mean, so much more than just the act itself, that part was actually caused so much more anxiety for me than I would have ever imagined. Um, Is that something that you find too? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So I'm, of course, I'm sorry that you went through that experience and you're, you're absolutely describing the, the re-traumatization that occurs in having to disclose over and over again. And that, that questioning and wondering if somebody is going to believe you or whether if you're moving through the criminal justice system, like, is the system going to actually serve and support you, or is it going to go the way that oftentimes things are portrayed in the media, um, which is, is a, is a truth that that does. In fact, oftentimes, most of the time abusers are not held accountable for their actions. So finding, finding what feels like justice and flow for each individual is unique to that person and it may not look like going through the criminal justice system. It doesn't have to look like that. Right. Um, and that's, that's a lot of the work I do uh, with my, my day job, um, if you will. Um, I work for a sexual assault, domestic violence nonprofit in uh, Northeast Michigan. Uh, oh, wow. Wow.
0: And what does the nonprofit do specifically?
1: Um, we so we um, we work towards supporting survivors as well as their families, um, all the secondary survivors that also are affected by trauma in whatever ways that they determine are their goals and um, what supports them, and all folks that want that have to do to receive services with us is um, identify as a survivor and all the services that we provide are, are free um, to, yes, to anyone that identifies as a survivor, whether it's stalking or domestic violence or uh, dating violence or um, sexual violence. Wow. And um, I think there was another part to your question that I'm now completely blanking on.
0: Um, oh, it was a
1: very, yeah.
0: I, <laughs> I won't I won't hold you to it because now I don't remember either
1: um, that's the like the acute of it I guess yeah. um, so working with the survivors the second layer to that is we as a organization work towards um, systemic change
0: okay no I just asked you what specifically they did I was actually thinking about my other long-winded thing but that was fairly short so yeah that was all I asked and you did <laughs> you did answer it yeah so I'm curious because, the, the grief work really intrigued me because one, that was something that Joshua was like, very passionate about talking about was grief and how like difficult it is to move through and, you know, he felt like he never really, really got through it and I know from people who have lost, um, you know, like my mom Um, I know she talks about it like being kind of like a jacket you put in the closet that you, you know, it's always there, but you just don't wear it as much anymore. You know, you don't wear it every day. (laughs) You just wear it less and less, Uh, hopefully, I guess, but it doesn't always go that way. Do you see a similarity in the process of dealing through grief and through trauma? Are they, are they similar in your mind?
1: Absolutely similar. Um, Moving through trauma healing is grief work. Um, there are many layers to it, but just like how something can bring up grief, something can bring up or uh, trigger um, trauma. And so it's like as much work as you think you've done and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm done with that. This thing happens. Maybe it's a smell or you hear a song or something reminds you and you're right back there. Right. So some of the work around trauma is one getting to know what the triggers are and then what are the kinds of things that support me when I'm triggered? Is it a breathing exercise? Is it movement? Is there an affirmation? Is it um, noticing like five blue objects in the room, uh, something that grounds you? Mm. Mm-hmm. um noticing um, tactile sensation or playing with like a fidget even. So, and the same thing for grief. I like, you said your mom's description of the jacket in the closet. Yeah. There's a, there's one I heard recently forgetting who shared it with me, but it's um, like g- grief is like a marble in a jar and like the longer you've sat with that that grief, the jar or the container might grow, but the grief stays the same size. Mm-hmm. So your container can get bigger and bigger, and it's still there. Yeah. It doesn't go away. And
0: to come back to what you were saying, that I really loved about the the per, well, um, that's actually not what you said; it was what I inferred from it. But um, you were talking about the person not recognizing their own not recognizing themselves or having to get to know a a new self or wishing that they could, you know, go back to their old self. Well, you know, with that model, it's like you, you never go back to your old self. We can, no matter what happens. I mean, I can't go back to myself this morning, but there, yeah. You can't go back to that container without the marble. You can only, that's hard. That's a really hard realization or um, what really hard to accept, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is is that something that?